0: Africa, rise and shine Africa,
1: soul, Africa, amka na unai
2: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine, the session Africa from an African perspective, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's Audio bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Ann Musa, Tabisolo Hoko, and Figile In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Nigerian government accused of gagging the media. Mozambique awaits presidential election results and UN Security Council ends peacekeeping mission in Haiti. In economics news, stage two load shedding to continue in South Africa. And in sports news, the Springboks expect a high-tempo game against Japan. But first up, the news with Ann Musa.
3: Very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. Police in Mozambique have arrested 73 people for offences connected to Tuesday's general election. Police spokesperson Orlando Mudumane says they had been detained in connection with 22 electoral offences, including creating disturbance in the polling stations. Nine of those are being held in connection with an attempt to destroy a voting centre in Sofala province. He also urged Mozambicans to remain calm and wait for the results to be announced announced, which are expected by Friday. The vote, which includes a presidential election, has been seen as a test of the recently signed peace deal between the ruling Frelimo party and RENAMO. Meanwhile, counting of votes is still underway in Mozambique, but interim results of the ballots counted in many voting stations shows that the Liberation Movement for Limo Party is leading and followed by Renamo. These are unconfirmed results which are still to be submitted to the Mozambique National Electoral Commission verifications. On the other hand, Observer missions' hal- Mission held a series of meetings in Maputo to analyze the elections. Mutsibiwa Munareng reports.
4: Life is back to normal in the capital Maputo. The Electoral Commission says the counting of ballots in the district is still underway. When the process is concluded, the results will be sent to the Electoral Commission's national office. By the end of the week, counting of ballots for the entire election is expected to be concluded.
3: Eight opposition leaders have gone on trial in Guinea, accused of organizing protests against President Alpha Condé's plans to seek a third term in office. They belong to an alliance of political parties, unions and pressure groups and face sentences ranging from three to five years. Activists say that at least seven people have been killed since protests began on Monday in the capital, Conakry and elsewhere in the country. Health workers said demonstrators were shot dead by the police. Authorities have denied the security forces used firearms and say only two people had died. The UN Security Council says it's concerned about the risk of a deterioration in the Unitarian situation in northeastern Syria and the escape of Islamic State fighters. The brief UN statement made no direct reference to the Turkish offensive against Kurdish militia in the region. The statement came as President Donald Trump played down the
1: crisis. Our soldiers are not in harm's way, as they shouldn't be, as two countries fight over land. That has nothing to do with us. And uh, the Kurds are much safer right now, but the Kurds know how to fight. And as I said, they're not angels. They're not angels.
3: And finally, a Moroccan journalist sentenced to a year in jail for premarital sex and allegedly having an abortion has been pardoned by the country's king. Journalist Hajar Roussouni and her fiancé, who was also pardoned, were both jailed last month. Activists say the 28-year-old's case is part of a crackdown, on independent reporters, premarital sex and abortions are illegal in Morocco, the BBC's Stray Bucham reports.
2: In online images of her release, Hajai Raisuni smiled and raised her hand in a victory sign as she walked free from the El Arjat prison near the capital Rabat. Rights groups have protested that Miss Raisuni was targeted for her work at an independent newspaper. She was arrested in August along with her fiance and two of his colleagues as they left a gynecologist clinic in the capital. She had denied the charges, saying she had been treated for internal bleeding
3: and that's the news headlines at 730 Central African Time.
5: Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook Channel Africa 1, on Twitter at Channel Africa 1 and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective.
2: Nigerian opposition party, the People's Democratic Party, says the All Progressive Congress-led government is planning to restrict the media and freedom of expression in the country. This after the federal government's approval of the review of the national broadcasting code. Collins Hengbe reports.
6: Evidence from past comments about what the government terms as hate speech and fake news, a trend which has some elements of international concern, points to the fact that the government was determined to apply some regulations at a certain stage to stay comfortable in the conduct of his business but that has translated to the introduction of some regulations which will be applied against the 40 media organizations once their piece of information is adjudged to be of hate speech inciting or fake news this is how caller or spokesperson of the opposition's people's democratic party puts his party's observation the
7: people's
8: democratic party rejects the move by president Buhari and all progressive Congress federal government to further gang the media, subjugate Nigerians and curtail our constitutionally guaranteed freedom of expression. The decision by President Buhari to impose stringent regulations on online media and broadcast organizations, as presently announced by the Minister of Information and Culture, Lai Mohammed, is completely obnoxious, anti democratic and a direct violation of statutory rules governing media practice and freedom of expression in Nigeria. Such is designed to undermine the nation's constitutional democracy, establish the rights of citizens to dissent in public opinion, emasculate the opposition, and force a dictatorship and one-party system
6: the position of pdp led to a deeper scrutiny of what the president may have proposed to warrant such interpretation and prediction of what it feels is hidden in the government's move the details of the new regulations were spelt out by the minister for information lai Mohammed, at a press briefing in abuja a review of the national broadcasting code one upward review of fines from 500,000 to 5 million naira for breaches relating
9: to his speeches, inciting comments, and indecency. Two, willful repeat of infractions on three occasions after levying fine on a station to attract suspension of license. Three, upgrade of breach of political comments relating to his speeches and divisive comments. To class a offense in the broadcasting code amendment of the NBC act to enable NBC licensed web tv and radio stations including foreign broadcasters beaming signals into nigeria
6: what does this suggest in the reasoning of the ordinary nigerian who is not aligned to any of the political divide robert clark is septuagenarian and a senior advocate in the nigerian legal system says in his view, Buhari has no plan to gag the press, as alleged.
1: I can say from what I see and what I observe that this government is not gagging the press. Is there not?
6: But Colo Bundayin says the ruling party is trying to amend the constitution through the back door for some heinous purposes, which will take away the constitutional guaranteed freedom of speech of Nigeria.
8: Such means amount to an attempt to amend our uh, constitution through the back door to take away the rights of citizens and undermine our democratic institutions, a development that has the capacity to destabilize our nation. The PDB therefore invites Nigerians to note that the dictatorial pathways with the Buhari presidency seeks to impose, if allowed, will erode the gradual emasculation of freedom of expression, depression of free press, infringement On the rights of citizens and forcing of siege mentality on the people of our dear country, and there are apprehension that the directive is geared towards clearing the ground for the introduction of certain harsh policy in our country.
6: The PDP's position seems to have gathered the sympathy of those who also see the government's move as capable of sending the wrong signals in the trails of attempt to gag the press. Ken. Okolubo says the feeling may not be unfounded after all.
8: We have always seen the press as the only alternative we have to expose the ills of any government. And so, when you make certain conditions which is dear to towards scaring the press, it's seen
6: as if you want to emasculate the press. A member of the ruling all progressive party, Richard Menga, says the new rules are meant to sanitize the system so that the media will be saved. From dissemination of untrue reports, which is much more dangerous.
7: No,
8: to the best of my understanding, what that entails is that there should be moderation. It's quite true, freedom of speech is in the conservative democracy. But all these lies people come out to say, to misinform gullible Nigerians, tell a of lies that this is going to happen, this is going to happen. That is aimed at regulating all, all these things.
6: But then, Kashim Afebwa of the People's Democratic Party says part of the problem is that. The new rules are not consistent with the democratic practices because the president, it would seem, is taking over the duty of the legislature.
1: I think, under a democracy, the president does not enjoy that fiat to decide or to decree fees into existence in a manner that would suggest that he's taking over the responsibility of the National Assembly, which is vested with that responsibility of making laws for the good governance of the country. So to the extent of increasing uh, penalties for breaches from 500,000 to 5 million, and in, those, in, in that sequence, I think uh, it's quite undemocratic, unbecoming of a democracy, and I think uh, it's an attempt to gag the press and also instill fears in the minds of the people.
6: Views on issues of this nature can be as many as the number of Nigerians, depending on the side of the divide one is on, and there may be no satisfactory singular views to the alternatives available to a government which feel it's time to put a seal on the extent of allowable freedom, if need be. Perhaps what is needed is a stakeholder's talk so that there will be a common ground of agreement for the nation's sake. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Nosatoingwe for Channel Africa News.
2: Zimbabwean rights groups have accused the government of continued abuses since the despotic rule of late former president Robert Mugabe came to an end two years ago, with military violations rising st- rising to new levels. In a 90-page assessment of the state of human rights in 2018, they accused security forces of cracking down on civilians and their political freedoms. Simon Mutemba reports from Harare.
10: Deception is the name of the 2018 human rights report launched by the Zimbabwe Human Rights NGO Forum in the capital Harare on Tuesday. According to the report that sought to detail all human rights abuses in the country from January to December, the 2018 cases surpassed those recorded in the previous year. Zimbabwe witnessed an increase in violations of labor bodies that were violently stopped from protesting the arrest of opposition as well as human rights activists. However, of importance is the killing of innocent civilians by the armed soldiers on the 1st of August 2018, an incident that sparked international outcry. Zikama Ibere, programs coordinator, of the zimbabwe human rights ngo forum besieged the country's leadership to help reduce cases of human rights abuses especially by the military
11: this report makes recommendations it identifies that 72 percent of the violations that we documented in 2018 are as a result of government action not necessarily in action so the forecast is we recommend that there be political will to turn off the infrastructure of violence if that happens, seventy percent of the violations will disappear because it means there will be no more uh, shootings against innocent civilians, it means there will be no more torture by the police, and it means there will be no more unlawful surveillance, there will be no more abductions, and there will be no more unlawful detention. So if you go through this report.
10: While several global countries have to date ratified and domesticated the Convention Against Torture C A T, Zimbabwe is here to do both, yet just From January to date, 51 cases of abductions and torture have been reported. They indicated that cases of torture by police and other security forces were also in the increase compared to the previous year.
11: the government should ratify the Convention Against Torture. Um, Parliament has indicated the intention to ratify the Convention Against Torture, but not much action has been taken around that area. And beyond ratification of the Convention Against Torture, they must actually domesticate the Convention. So we have been pushing for an anti-torture bill. Um, This sounds like technical terms, but in practice it means the police should stop torturing people who they suspect of committing crimes, because they are basically doing that. If they think you have have committed a crime instead of investigating, they torture you. And then it also speaks about the conditions of detention, some of the conditions of detention they amount to torture. So the instruments, the key instruments for that is what are are called the Robin Island Guidelines, which are of the African Union, which uh, clearly outline what measures the government should put in place to
10: eliminate torture meanwhile blessing goredema who heads the human rights forum indicated that unlike the president Emerson mnangagwa's new dispensation mantra the whole notion was a deception as such the 2018 report was titled deception just to indicate the contrast in zimbabwe
12: we just released a report which we are calling a new deception after we have assessed the progress within which this new dispensation is zitwe, has made regarding uh, respecting and ensuring and fulfilling the human rights of its people and the observations in that report are quite you know a sad reality that in every form and nature of violations, we have actually seen a surge, an increase of uh, the, the, the human rights violations. And that record is quite disheartening for an, an, a government that wants to be seen in a different light in the sense of a new dispensation.
10: From 2018, the country started witnessing an attack of both ordinary citizens calling for better livelihoods or working conditions, an unprecedented action, Goredema de She bemoaned the government's failure to deal with socio-economic challenges that have made the majority of Zimbabweans poorer, worse than they were during the Mugabe era.
12: I think uh, from our analysis, basically every aspect of rights that would include civil and political rights as well as the socio-economic rights. As you can see evident in our context right now that the social economic situation is quite deplorable. And on the civil and political rights, we are quite saddened by the thwarting of the freedoms of peaceful assembly and protests. And in that regard, we have seen a number of those that are calling for peaceful protests being uh, charged. And those have mainly targeted opposition political activists. As well as civil society leaders and trade unionists, and considering the current state of affairs, those people are calling for a resolution of the currently ongoing economic challenges, and those in the trade union are calling for, you know, better working conditions for the workers in Zimbabwe. And what does the government do? They thwart such kind of collective job action.
10: In Harare, Zimbabwe, for Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchemwa. <laughs>
5: Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Womanity, Woman in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Womanity, Woman in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity with Dr. Amalea Gones Malka. Every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective.
2: Vote counting continues in Mozambique after Tuesday's election, but interim results of the ballots counted in many voting stations shows that the uh, Frelimo party is leading and followed by Renamo. These are unconfirmed results which are still t- to be submitted to the Mozambique National Electoral Commission verifications. Muzibi Munareng has more.
4: Life is back to normal in the capital Maputo. 42-year-old Maita. a worker who sells teddy bears to sustain her life she says after voting she hopes her life will improve
13: i voted yesterday
5: i'm hoping for a positive change
13: and i'm hoping my business will be better
4: In the Maputo CPD, people are selling different kinds of items, ranging from belts, sunglasses, and food, hoping to get money for their sustainability. (laughs) Meanwhile, the head of the African Union, AU Observer Mission in the Mozambican General Elections, good luck Jonathan, says the voting stations that were not opened in Galo, Delgado province, north of the country, will not affect the presidential elections. Jonathan says the Electoral Commission knew ahead of the elections that voting wouldn't take place in
6: those areas. The chairman or the president of the Electoral Commission of Mozambique told us that because of key security challenges, those 10 centers will not be open. So they knew. And they know that within the law, it will affect uh, lower elections. But as far as the presidential election is concerned, those will not affect. Because they made it public. The elections are not going to be conducted in those uh, units. According to them, there are no people living. Because of the excessive killings, people have moved away from that place. So even if you go to vote, you will not see anybody. But will have
4: relocated. The electoral commission says the counting of ballots in the district is still underway. When the process is concluded, the results will be sent to the electoral commission's national office. By the end of the week, counting of ballots for the entire election is expected
9: to be concluded. Muzibu Munaren, Maputo, Mozambique
13: many parts of the world, naturally rich especially Africa, are poor and parts not well off in minerals enjoy the highest standards of living Channel Africa brings you a brand new show dedicated to revitalize the motherland with her music and wisdom, Building Africa with Love, Fridays 10am to 11am and all Sundays from 5am to 6am Central African Time Nguvu kwa upendu ninguvu
2: Let's go back in time to today in 1979. Mother Teresa of India was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize as today in history, 1979. Although the United Nations peacekeeping operations are over in Haiti, the Caribbean country will not be alone as a new political mission focused on sustainable development kicked off its work there on Wednesday. That's the message from Jean-Pierre Lacroix, UN Under Secretary General for Peacekeeping, who has been reflecting on achievements during that 15-year period. Two successive UN peacekeeping operations, known by the French acronyms MINUSTA and MINUJUSTA, helped the Haitian authorities to build up the national police force, strengthen the judicial system and improve protection of human rights. Pascal Sim of UN News asked Jean-Pierre Lacroix about these accomplishments and why the situation now requires a different approach from the international community.
14: Well, I think it's important to highlight before everything that UN peacekeeping is leaving Haiti, but the UN is not leaving Haiti, and there will be a continuation of uh, UN support to that country in different ways and different modalities, but uh, the same commitment to Haiti. And I think regarding the the achievement of uh, peacekeeping, on the one hand, it is obvious that there are many challenges and problems that remain. On the other hand, uh, what uh, was achieved uh, with peacekeeping was starting from a, a very uh, bad situation from the point of view of uh, violence, from the point of view of disorganization of Haiti, building up some key state capacities such as the Haitian National Police, which is today a functioning police, even though it still needs some additional support. Uh, making progress as, as well in the areas of uh, protecting human rights and also strengthening the uh, judicial system uh, with a number of uh, laws that were uh, adopted with the support of uh, of the UN and the capacity building in, in some key areas. There's one example which has to do with pre-trial detention, which is a major problem in Haiti and uh, for which uh, we've been able to, to support the reduction of the proportion of people detained, uh, you know, without trial, there's still a long way to go I mean, generally speaking there are, as I say, uh, very important remaining challenges, but they're of a different nature now. They uh, require continuous support, but in different ways from, from us and from the rest of the international community. The current political situation in Haiti is of global concern. Uh, many people wonder if it's the right time, if it was the right time for Minusius to leave.
15: What do you have to say?
14: Well, I have to say again that uh, the UN is not leaving Haiti, that uh, today's challenges are important, but they don't require a, a type of UN support uh, such as peacekeeping. They require a different kind of support. Uh, today's problem in Haiti uh, are political, but they also have to do with the development and and the humanitarian situation in that country. And this is exactly what uh, the UN is aiming to do with the new uh, integrated office of uh, the United Nations, which has started its operation today, and working very closely with it, the uh, uh, continuous work of uh, humanitarian and, and development agencies. But I have to say that it is important to highlight that in addition to the UN system, Haiti will need the support of uh, other partners, the bilateral partners and other uh, organizations and entities that can uh, contribute to that effort. And what would be your message to the Haitian people and the Haitian political actors? Well certainly the first message would be it is for the Haitian themselves to uh, find the way to uh, overcome the current problems and uh, uh, that dialogue is key in that regard, that uh, the Haitian people should favor and support uh, peaceful dialogue to overcome the current political situation. And the second message is that uh, Haiti will not be alone. It will continue to be supported uh, not only by the UN office that uh, starts its Works today, but also uh, continue to be supported by the whole UN system, and uh, that uh, it is important for the whole of the international community, all partners to that country, to continue and even strengthen their support to Haiti, both in the political sphere as well as on uh, humanitarian and development assistance.
2: That's Jean-Pierre Lacroix, UN Under Secretary General for Peacekeeping, speaking to Pascal Sim of UN News. Apartheid activist Albie Sachs has delivered the keynote address at the 10th Ahmed Kathrada Lecture in Johannesburg. Kathrada was also a South African anti-apartheid struggle stalwart who spent years in jail on Robben Island with comrades such as Nelson Mandel. Horace Sitton reports.
6: This year's theme was framed on Samar Machel's words, for the nation to live, the tribe must die. Al-Bissette says, Ahmed Katrada was not just a politician, but someone who will be there for others.
1: For some people, politics extrudes their humanity. It pushes it out. It's as though you you can't make omelets without breaking eggs. It justifies the mean. And for other people, the struggle being in action intensifies humanity. Your humanity, your concern, your connection with other people.
6: Said says they have learned a lot from Mozambique, where he spent 11 years in exile. He spoke about how Mozambican independence gave them hope. He says Mozambique taught him to adhere to the rule of law.
1: We've had six yes, we democratic change. elections in this country, free and fair. We take it for granted. They used to say, one man, one vote, once, Africa's not ready for democracy. It took us, you know, what the us is, a thousand years to get democracy. We have a lively, open press, we have a strong judiciary, we have a strong civil society, but I saw in Mozambique, if somebody got locked up, there was no mechanism. Your husband, your wife, your son, your neighbour. You had to know somebody in the police force.
6: Some of the people who attended the lecture, are even hysterical and Ishmael Vadi, UCT professor so Gasa was the respondent in the lecture. She says the Mozambican struggle tried in so many ways to be humane.
12: If you look at the progress that was done in terms of education, if you look at the progress that was done in terms of healthcare, increasing the rights of women, the first 10 years before the war really gripped the country, After liberation, if I look at what the Mozambicans achieved in those years with the resources that they had and I look at what we have achieved, there's a conversation that we need to have.
2: That report by Horusani Sitole. It's 7.30 Central African time and our headlines up next with An Musa.
3: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. The Headlines Police in Mozambique have arrested 73 people for offenses connected to Tuesday's general election. Eight opposition leaders have gone on trial in Guinea, accused of organizing protests against President Alpha Conde's plans to seek a third term in office. And the United Nations Security Council says it's concerned about the risk of a deterioration in the humanitarian situation in northeastern Syria and the escape of Islamic State fighters. The Those are the stories making headlines.
5: When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger, in a South Africa that was hostile.
11: Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices and I'm your host, Aburrengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa. Rise. Channel Africa from an African perspective.
2: Let's go back in time to today in 1973. Arab oil-producing nations announced they would begin cutting back oil exports to Western nations and Japan. The The result was a total embargo that lasted until March 1974. Today in History, 1973. Until 2018, it could take to well over a year for a child to get a birth certificate in Zambia. This because everyone in the country had to travel to the only civil registrations office in the capital, Lusaka, a daunting and costly exercise which many could not afford. With the introduction of the Decentralized Birth Registration Programme, Zambians have come to appreciate the true value of birth certificates. Channel Africa's James Rabutata traveled to Mokwale, a farming zone in the southern province of Zambia, where she got to see firsthand how it has become easier even for rural communities to have their children legally identified.
16: Mukwela Clinic is one of the districts where the decentralized birth registration program is being implemented following a memorandum of understanding between Zambia's Home Affairs and Health Ministries under the auspices of the United Nations Child Agency, UNICEF. Nineteen-year-old Sandai Madenda is one of the applicants and is looking forward to getting a birth certificate for her two-year-old
5: child. I've
16: come
6: to
5: Kambo. register which, uh, the card of a child because
6: this will help me a lot to have my child to when doing the registration at school and also to have the NRC card.
16: Before the decentralization occurred, Madenda would have had to travel all the way to Lusaka, a journey more than four hours to start the process of birth registration from the Department of National Registration, Passport and Citizenship, headquartered in Lusaka. This is one of the main reasons many Zambians could not register their children. Breathing a sigh of relief is Sylvia Sehua, who has now managed to get birth certificates for her three children
5: after applying three months ago. Uh, Before it was expensive, you have to look for transport, you have to maybe even get lost to the office, you have to phone
16: me. Dixon Gambini is in charge of Muguela Clinic.
6: So the rollout of this program is almost effortless for our catchment. We are at a go, registering within a short period of time, and we are able to transmit the forms through the district office up to the provincial office where the the printing of the birth certificate is done. We do have other people that are helping us. These are community-based volunteers who who have overwhelmingly accepted the task. So we are doing the initial registration, then we transmit. When the birth certificate comes, they will actually come to this facility. Then we are able to transmit to the families. The families are able to come to this facility well and good.
16: Harry Bulambo is one of the community workers raising awareness on the new birth certificate program.
6: Actually,
4: when we were told that there will be birth certificates, we went lounge in all churches uh, to tell those who are responsible to announce and uh, in, uh, during in meetings,
9: ties about the best certificates.
16: The birth certificate printing facility that receives applications from centers in the southern province such as Mukwela Clinic is located in Choma. Morris Kalmkuwa is the provincial registrar.
17: You know previously we had what is called centralized certification. So application forms needed to travel all the way to the capital city, Lusaka, and then it, Everything else across the country was coming to one central place. So that was creating some congestion and backlog and a lot of work for one person, one or two, that is the Registrar General or the Data Registrar General. But now with decentralized certification, it means the work has become smaller and it's been taken to where the people are. So distances have been shortened.
16: A birth should ideally be registered as soon as a child is born or within 30 days after a birth has occurred. When a birth is registered, a permanent record is established and many benefits are set to arise from the birth registration, as UNICEF's John James explains.
13: Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of people born and even die without ever entering into the formal system, so it's really important to have that uh, piece of paper and you know it really opens up the door to a lot of government services Uh, registering at school uh, of course getting a passport getting an id uh, accessing uh, services at the health center so there's lots of things that it it makes possible it's also uh, helping to prevent certain abuses as well in terms of trafficking children in terms of child marriage so you know if if you think there might be a case of child marriage but you can't see the papers to establish whether it's a child or not then you have difficulties. So, so these things really help establish the rights of the child.
16: That's John James, Chief of Communications for the United Nations Children's Fund in Zambia. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Jane Narabu in the capital, Lusaka.
15: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
13: Colton, enjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I'm Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia.
15: Our cutting edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango. Channel Africa, Blantaya.
6: Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to
0: Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese,
15: and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa.
2: Democratic Republic of Congo's Builder Response Committee We'll start using the second of vaccine next month. The head of a committee, Dr Jean-Jacques Mouyembe, said the AD26 ZEBOV GP vaccine manufactured by Johnson & Johnson's Belgian subsidiary will be used for vaccination in three eastern provinces.
9: The vaccine known as AD26 ZEBOV GP that's manufactured by Johnson & Johnson's Belgian subsidiary is expected here in the Democratic Republic of Congo on Friday. The vaccine will be received in Goma, the capital city of the North Kivu province and from there the product will be dispatched to three provinces including the North Kivu, the South Kivu and Ituri. Those are indeed the Ebola affected provinces in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. The vaccine will be sent to Rwanda as well and extended to Traders Crossing into Rwanda. Dr. Jean-Jacques Mouyembe is the head of the Ebola Response National Committee. There are already two, communes who chosen. two communes of Goma have been selected to receive the vaccines as there are so many people from Beni and Butembo. This vaccination will be extended to traders who regularly cross into Rwanda as well for small business. We go to
11: Rwanda for the petit commerce.
9: Some of the Congolese who accepted to share their views with Channel Africa have welcomed the announcement of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine to be used against Ebola. The outbreak power has decreased after it has killed more than 2,100 people in the eastern DRC where it infected more than 3,000 people in one year and according to this congolese adolf bongo the ad26 Z above gp vaccine is to be supported if it doesn't have side effects that would harm people about uh, those uh, vaccination i think
17: uh, it's gonna be uh, something good in the way to prevent or to fight against that this is Ebola which killed many congolese at east i think is one of uh, the good things to do. Uh, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's good. If the vaccination doesn't have uh, a secondary effect, I think is one of uh, the good things to do. But if uh, the vaccination has uh, a secondary effect, I think uh, we are not uh, supporting that. For the future or for life of uh, our brothers who are living that side. It's, it's okay. It's good. Congolese, they can use it. If Dr. Mwembe has experience or Make some expertise about that, it can be a proof it can be profitable for Congolese. I will agree with you. I can opt and uh, accompany the doctor for his project because uh, even they give that uh, vaccination will not help people to come back to life.
9: The National Committee of Repost Against Ebola has ensured that the vaccine has no danger. Dr. Jean Jacques Mouyembe said it's the same that has been used in Guinea and in Uganda. Adolf Bongo believes what's important is to continue reducing the Ebola cases and finally end it. This Congolese wishes the vaccination could succeed for many lives to be saved. What can be important is to reduce or to
17: paralyze that disease, at that side. You know? Because uh, the vaccination came to help, came to to, to fight against the diseases. We expect That uh, vaccination has a successful action to the life of people who are living there.
9: Yes, and uh, to reduce or to eradicate that uh, disease, that side. It's indeed this vaccine that was rejected by former Minister of Health, Dr. Oli Ilunga, who seated the risk of introducing a new product. He believed it has consequences in communities where mistrust of Ebola responders is already high. Jean-Noel Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa.
15: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
1: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
2: It's 7.45 Central African time and our economics updates up next with Tabi Solohoku.
18: Good morning. South Africa's power utility is continuing with the stage two load shedding. Ascom's acting CEO, Jabuma Mabuza, says that they understand the inconvenience it's causing and has assured South Africans that the company's objective is not to load shed. He apologized to South Africans and matriculants whose examinations were disrupted. Ascom earlier said that the return of load shedding was due to high levels of unplanned breakdowns and could continue for the rest of the week. A farm conference looking at the plight of farm workers continues at South Africa's University of the Western Cape Province this morning. Attended by farm groups and academics, researchers, the conference is aimed at discussing the working conditions and wages of farm workers as well as food security. The Ministers of Justice and Labor are expected to attend this morning's session. Tanzania's Center for Entrepreneurship and Executive Development has invited local entrepreneurs in the capital Dodoma to a workshop on managing and effectively growing their businesses in the region. The seminar is to provide entrepreneurs with the skills on how to improve their business, compete for opportunities, especially after the government transfers its operations to Dodoma. Venezuela's president, Nicolas Maduro, says he is assigning a working gold mine to each of the country's state governments to provide them with an income. Maduro's government has blamed U.S. sanctions for weakening the country's economy. His adversaries, however, say dysfunctional economic policies and rampant corruption are to blame for the problems. The BBC's Candice Pete reports.
13: Last year, Mr. Maduro announced that the government was granting licenses to 32 gold fields in the Orinoco mining arc in the south of the country. Gold mined in the area has increasingly become Venezuela's lifeblood. With the Venezuelan currency, the Bolivar, virtually worthless because of hyperinflation, gold is one of the few remaining sources of foreign exchange. President Maduro says the mines would provide regional state budgets with money for health care, education and public transport. Government critics say Venezuela's gold business is allowing Mr Maduro to corrupt public servants to perpetuate his rule.
18: Angola's state-owned oil firm Sonangol and French company Total intend to create a joint venture to operate in the distribution and trade of crude oil by products as well as in the production of solar energy. Angolan Competition Regulator Authority says it's assessing the impact of the Sonangol Total fusion could generate on competitors. It says that the assessment process is still being conducted, but a decision will be made soon. The US dollar is trading at three sixty forty four Nigerian Nara. It's at ten seventy nine Botswana Pula, one hundred two fifty three Kenyan shilling and thirteen seventeen Zambian kwacha. In BRICS currencies, the one US dollar will cost you four hundred sixteen Brazilian roll, sixty-four twenty-one Russian rubble, seventy-one twenty-four Indian rupee, seven hundred ten Chinese Yuan and fourteen twenty-five. Uh, to the South African Rand. The US dollar is also trading at 78 pence to the British pound and at 90 cents to the euro. Gold 1000, dollars Platinum, $884. Per ounce. Brand crude, $58.95 a barrel. Stay tuned.
13: Many parts of the world, naturally rich, especially Africa, are poor and parts not well-off in minerals enjoy the highest standards of living. Channel Africa brings you a brand new show dedicated to revitalize the motherland with her music and wisdom. Building Africa with Love, Fridays 10am to 11am and all Sundays from 5am to 6am Central African Time. (laughs) Nguvu kwa upendu
2: ninguvu. Our sports update up next with Figi Lelingwati.
0: First up, let's begin with rugby news in our sports update. Ireland have sent an SOS to a South African-born Ulster hooker, Rob Herring, Ahead of the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal showdown against New Zealand in Tokyo on Saturday at 1215 South African time. Herring, educated at SACS in Cape Town, will replace the injured Sean Cronin. Cronin has been ruled out of the tournament after suffering a neck injury in training. Herring has earned eight caps for Ireland since his debut in 2014 and narrowly missed the cut when coach Joe Schmidt named his 31-man squad for the tournament in Japan. Ireland captain rory best will start against defending champions new zealand in tokyo with nile scannell now vying with herring for a place on the bench and the springboks backliner taking and skills coach mzwandile stick reiterated that they definitely would not be underestimating japan heading into the crucial 2019 rugby world cup quarterfinal clash at the tokyo stadium on sunday the two sides who played each other a week before the actual tournament are expected to showcase some exciting rugby if both teams' last four tests are anything to go by. Stick says they will also have to find different ways of communicating their calls during the game as the Japanese side has a number of South African-born players who can speak good
15: Africans. To see their plans coming into place against Scotland, that means also... On a day, we must also pitch up and make sure that we we are switched on and make sure that we we don't underestimate anything on the field because of, once again, if you're going to underestimate them, they have proper side at the moment. We don't talk about a tier two side anymore now. They are up there ranked seventh in the world currently, so they are a very, very proper side. We can't underestimate them. It's going to be a tough challenge for us. Uh, It's going to be a massive, massive challenge, Uh, but once again, we we are also proudly South Africans and we've got our strengths, we will just make sure that we focus on our strengths and the sad thing when it comes to communication now because of they've got a couple of South Africans also in their side normally when we speak Africans you know that's an advantage where opposition don't understand but now they've got guys like uh, Lapis in that side they've got Vimpi and also surprisingly the winger who was born in South Africa so they'll probably have some inside comms also from uh, from our camp but yeah we're looking forward to the challenge
0: the Proteus netball national team assistant coach Dumisani Chauke says they did not have enough time to prepare for the upcoming African Netball Cup. A tournament will commence in Cape Town from Friday until next week, Tuesday, featuring South Africa, Uganda, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Lesotho, Kenya, Tanzania and Malawi. Jauke and the head coach Dorette Badenhorst were only appointed few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, a few days away, but also that's another opportunity.
9: <laughs> that's another opportunity, you know, uh, with African teams doing so well out in Liverpool. It's going to be great for us to take stock in terms of what, how, where we stand on home ground, where we stand in Africa and the continent. I mean, Uganda had a great show, Zimbabwe being deputants uh, at the World Cup came out strong you know um, i mean malawi having uh, the top players or well, Kamwenda coming back and reinforcing that attack they're going to be a force to be reckoned with so it's exciting times but also it's a great opportunity for us to take stock and really check ourselves in terms of how are we holding up and how we're going to be building going forward in africa
0: on to athletics female transgender athletes must lower their testosterone levels by half under new regulations introduced by the IAAF, bringing the rules into line with those for hyper competitors such as Casta Semenya. Under the new eligibility rules announced this week, transgender athletes are no longer required to be recognized by law in their new gender, but only need to provide a signed declaration that they identify as female. The International Association of Athletics Federation, the IAAF Council, which met in Doha, approved rules that require the concentration of testosterone in female transgender athletes to be less than five nanomoles per liter continuously for a period of at least 12 months prior to being declared eligible the previous limit was 10 nanomoles athletes must maintain their testosterone levels below the five nanomole limit to keep their eligibility to compete in the female category And finally, as we wrap up, now we say to you all, that's your sports news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza, Africa,
9: Amuka, Na Ongai.
2: Recapping our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Nigeria's government accused of gagging the media. Mozambique awaits presidential election results. And UN Security Council ends peacekeeping mission in Haiti. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. From myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumutu Ramagadza, technical producer Mario Edwards, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news, it was Mpo Sabina with a song titled Le Rato.